This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast. Of course, brought to you by Bet Rivers for all of your wagering needs. Go to the Bet Rivers app, new and improved, improving all the time. And remember, for all of your gambling needs, it's Bet Rivers in New York and New Jersey. Play Sugar House in Connecticut. Uh, for emails, send them to Podcast at gmail.com. Today I'm going to open with your emails, then get to a couple other things. Uh, Bud starts us off with, uh, how would you assess Cole this season? Uh, I thought Cole was good last night in a game the Yankees desperately needed. Yankees even pushed him a little bit last night. If I have one knock on Cole, it's that sometimes he leaves the game before it makes sense. Um, Overall, his performance, his numbers are good across the board. He strikes people out. He has a good ERA. He has a good whip. The team wins when he pitches. So I, I have little complaint. I just don't really trust him to do the things that an ace does. I don't trust him in the big spot, but he does have uh, a lot of talent. And he, listen, he's having a sound year. He's won eight games, could easily won more. Uh, he's got a 2-6 ERA. He's got 106 strikeouts and 99 innings. He's pitched well. I mean, there's no way around it. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of guys who have pitched well this year, some of them surprising. Um, McClanahan's had a great year with 11 wins and a 2.12 uh, ERA. Uh, Stroman's had a great year. As a matter of fact, he's been a hottest pitcher in baseball. He's 9-4 and four now. Stroman in his last seven starts is 7-0 and with a 1.29 ERA. He has been sensational. Kershaw's had a great year, surprisingly. I didn't think Kershaw had a lot left. Kershaw at 35, and an old 35 because he's done a lot in his career. I mean, he's had a great year. He's 9-4. and four. He's already pitched 90 innings. He struck out 103 batters. He's got a low whip. He's got a low ERA. He's done a great job at 9-4. Valdez, as, who beat the Mets, has uh, threw uh, five and a third perfect innings and beat the Mets last night 4-2. Uh, um, only has seven wins because he's lost some games he shouldn't have lost. His numbers are off the charts. He's got a low whip. He's got low ERA. He strikes out people. I mean, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. There's no question. And you're getting good performances out of guys like Sonny Gray and Avaldi, who's having a great year at nine and three and a whip under one. I mean, so you got a lot of guys, a lot of early thirties guys, mid thirties guys who are pitching very, very well this year. Um, and Cole is right there in that group. I mean, he's, he's done a, a very, very good job. But uh, a lot of guys, some surprising guys, as you would imagine. I didn't expect it out of Evaldi. I didn't expect it out of Kershaw. I didn't expect this good a performance out of Stroman. So guys like that, as a matter of fact. Doug emails uh, some buzz regarding Zion and the Knicks. I'm sure you would not want them near him. Um, you read my mind. Uh, 
there have been talks of Zion and Zion wants to be traded. They've had probably just about enough. There's no question he puts up stats, but he doesn't make, you know, he puts up stats, but he doesn't make teams a whole lot better. And he never plays. Let's be honest. Hey, I took a lot of heat when I took the stand, which was not only unpopular, no one else took it but me, that this guy was not going to be all world, that this guy was have, going to have a ridiculously hard transition into the NBA and that he was going to, with conditioning and injuries, be a huge problem. I have been 100% on the mark. The guy has missed 60% of his games so far. He's missed 188 out of a possible 302 games. He never plays. And if you think that's going to get better as he gets older, you're wrong. It's not. Because he cannot control his conditioning, nor can he control his weight. He was a big man in college. If you're a big man in college, you're going to be a bigger man in the NBA. And he had problems moving in college. Has he got talent? Yes. He's got good hands. He's a good passer. He can score around the basket. Zion has talent. I never said he didn't have talent. What I said was he was not going to revolutionize the game and that he was going to be a major risk and that I would not go near take him at the top of the draft. And I was in not only the minority, I think I was the only one who said it. I don't think anybody else, and people were killing me for saying it. People calling him the best place is Michael Jordan. I was like, what are you, serious? Have you watched John Moran play? Now, John Morant has definitely, after showing just how gifted he is, wants to destroy his own career in a different way with his ridiculous actions. And he better get his head on straight or we're going to be talking about how he ruined his career. But if you take a chance now, if you're the Knicks on Zion, you are out of your mind. Just look at that number. 302 possible games, 188 sat out. Do you know how many games Michael Jordan set out in his career because of injury? 80 in his career. This guy has sat out 188 games already. I mean, you got to be kidding me. I wouldn't go near him. And I'm not saying he doesn't have some ability, but I, would, I don't think he makes teams better. I don't think you want to play the way you have to play with him. It's not the way to, the best way to play right now. And he never plays. He's missed 60% of his games, more than 60% of his games in his career. Much more. Joe asks, I know you won't discuss the changes at FAN, but it's fascinating that there has been so much change uh, in slots in recent years. You were right the first time. There's no... There's nothing that is uh, – here's what I would say about all the changes again. I wish them luck. That's it. You know, I will always be part of FAN. FAN is my, was my home for 35 years. You know, I have a great history there. I have uh, wonderful memories about the place. Uh, I – accomplished more than I could have ever dreamed of. Um, so, but nothing 
good comes of me in any way. Because if I say something good, people say, oh, he's just saying that. And if I say something bad, it gets huge headlines. So there's no reason for me to say anything. So as I always do, I pass when it comes to that fan. Uh, I wish them well. Uh, Paul asks, Cohen says he won't panic and make wholesale changes with the Mets. So far, there have been no changes. What gives? As I told you the other day on the podcast, there's no reason for the Mets to be sellers. You're a seller because you want to free up money. They don't have to free up money. So for them, all they look to do is see if they can improve and take a run at the wild card. That last wild card will probably never be beyond their possible reach of a winning streak this year. That's why they set that up to keep teams in the mix and keep far more teams in the mix, the hopes of getting hot and getting in in the second half of the season. That's the idea of it. That's the purpose it serves. And usually it will do that case. The Mets are within a good winning streak of getting near the wild card. Will they get that? Who knows? But the bottom line is this. They are built for now. They're not a team you're going to break down. Nobody's taking Scherzer. Nobody's taking Verlander. They, you're not giving away two or three pieces. And nobody wants your other pieces. There's nothing on the Mets that's attractive. The only thing I could see the Mets doing late in the season is jettisoning Robertson to a team if they're out of it because he could help somebody. That's it. There's nothing else. Who are you sending them that's going to help them? You're not giving up one of your kids. You're not giving up any of your stars. Nobody's taking Lindor. Even if you want to sell, get rid of Lindor, nobody's going to line up and take that contract. And you're not getting rid of Alonzo or Nimmo or uh, any of the guys you really like. So the Mets don't have anything to move. Now, do they add pieces? Maybe. Can they add a pitcher? Yes. Can they go to a bad team and jettison a pitcher? Can somebody try and steal Sears from the A's? Yeah, I would do that. That guy can pitch. Does somebody try and steal somebody from the Royals? Okay. Or one of the teams that's having a dreadful season? Yeah, go ahead. You want to start picking off White Sox? People are going to try and pick off White Sox as soon as the White Sox put the, put the sign sale in the window. They haven't yet. They're 11 games under 500. they They're going nowhere. As soon as they play another 20 games at this pace, and there's still 10, 11 games under 500, they're going to put the for sale sign in the window, and then people are going to flock to the White Sox to try and see what they can get because the White Sox have talent. And if the White Sox are going to throw their arms up in the air and say, we're done with this group, well, then they are going to have a lot of buyers because they have they have pitching, they have talent in the lineup, they have talent. Is somebody going to go pick off a player, a pitcher who's having a good year off a bad team? Absolutely, it's going to happen. 
Could the Mets maybe do that? Yes. Could the Mets go get a bullpen guy? Yes. Go get another starting pitcher? Yes. Go get another bat? Yes. Because they can spend as much as they want. And they are going to try to make the wild card because there's nothing else for them to do. They are not rebuilding around Verlander and Scherzer, who are both going to be here next year. So there's no rebuilding with the Mets. There's no cleaning house with this team. They're going to try and see if they can get themselves into the wild card hunt. That's it. That's their motivation. They have nothing else they can do. Right now they find themselves six games out of the wild card. How many teams are in front of them? One, two, three, four, five teams in front of them. Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Chicago, San Diego, Pittsburgh, all ahead of them. Can the Mets play over 500 this year? Yes, they can. If they can get anything, anything out of their offense and get anything out of Scherzer and Verlander. If they can get everybody rolling at the same time, they can be a winning team. Is it going to be enough? Well, right now, the third wild card team is the Dodgers. I'm not expecting Arizona to stay there. Let's see if they do. But I expect San Diego to be better. So figure you're going to have to beat out. Let's say the Dodgers win the division, you're going to have to beat out San Diego. Arizona right now, though, is a long way ahead. They're nine games ahead of the Mets, which is a long way. You know, they're 44 and 30. They're going to have to fall a lot to get to, to become invisible here. But as long as you stay within a couple of, as long as you stay within six games, seven games. Now, if you get 12 games out in the wild card, you're going to be out of it. Right now, they're six games out in the wild card, and they really can't play any worse. So I don't expect them to change a whole lot. I expect them to try and go forward because there's nothing else for them to do this year. Their die is cast. They are going to have to add people around what they have because Scherzer and, 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 and Berlin are going nowhere. Lonnie asks, since retirement from day-to-day radio, have you paid more attention to the stock market? I always paid a lot of attention to it in the morning anyway for a couple of hours um, before I left, left for work or lady is working uh, from home during the crazy times. Um, uh, I'd say I'd probably pay more attention, but I always paid a lot. I've been involved for a while. Um, and you know, uh, I don't, I don't give out any financial, because there's so much financial information out there. I mean, you can watch CNBC and they're given information and they're given stock picks all day. And they got good guys on there and they got people on there who are pros. And there's plenty of guys who are experts who, you know, handle a lot of money who are on there all the time and their picks are all available. 
You can find out what any billionaire investor is buying. It's all available. So with all that information out there, what do you need me to be giving you stocks for? But I, I've given a couple, and they've done very well. And NVIDIA is one I've given a, a couple times through the years, including the last couple of years, and it has gone on a, a you know, Going on a rocket, just a, it's a rocket to the moon. And uh, I've always been a big believer in Amazon, which uh, I talked about. People had a great chance to get it when it was in the eighties, and now it's like one hundred and twenty-six. So uh, I hope people took advantage of that because I've always been a big believer in it. It went through a little rough times for a couple of reasons. It's always right there, and. Uh, I, you know, I've always preached Apple as a staple where you just, you know, you should always have, a, you know, I've always told everybody, you should always have a little money in Apple. There's no reason not to. It's like the American way, you know. It's what IBM was, you know, 40 years ago, 35, 40 years ago. They're just there and they're just consistent. But uh, done well especially recently with Amazon and done incredibly well with uh, in, NVIDIA. So I'm happy about that uh, from the standpoint of the, of the audience. But I don't spend a lot of time on it with the audience because, hey, like I said, there's so many places for you to get so much information. Um, what do you th- Neil asks, what do you think of the Bradley Beal trade? I was really surprised he went to Phoenix. And I actually think it's puzzling because I don't think automatically it's what Phoenix needs. I'm not going to tell you that having him, especially if you put him, let him cover the second unit, cut his time with the big two and let him cover the second unit he is a prolific scorer. Another guy you worry about injuries with, but I was surprised. I know a lot of people want him to go to Miami and they were criticizing Riley for not getting him, et cetera, et cetera. Um, as far as Chris Paul, I think Chris Paul has been done for a while. So I don't think that's a big issue. Phoenix is very oddly built. And I know why they did this because of the idea of how hard it's going to be to have three quote-unquote stars on your team now. They've kind of legislated against that. But I don't think this makes them all-world. I don't think you say, oh, forget the season because Beal now is, on, is, is with Booker and Durant. I don't think that at all. So to me, that's impact. I think the NBA is going to be fascinating though the next couple of weeks. First of all, with the draft. Because there's a couple interesting guys in this draft. I think uh, they're really missing the boat if they don't take Miller second. Now, I understand Miller had trouble last year at Alabama late in the season. But he is the closest thing to Durant that I've ever seen. And he is going to be a big star in the pros. He's going to be a very good player. I think the kid out of Villanova is going to be a very good player, but I think you might have to wait a little while for him. He's really rough around the edges, but he has a lot of physical talent. And he's got good size. He can do pretty much everything. I think he's going to be a very good player. 
Uh, but Miller should be too. I know they're going back and forth, Miller, whether it should be Miller or Scooter Henderson. You know what? I think Miller should be too. I think he's going to be a very, very big player in the NBA. And, hey, he's got to clean up his act because you cannot be around the stuff he was around last year. I don't know what, how complicit he was in what happened, but it destroyed the Alabama season. They were the best team last year. And we should have had an Alabama-Connecticut game for the ages because that would have been an incredible game. But Alabama fell apart because of what was going on with that team and what was going on with Miller. It didn't impact him during the regular season, but it impacted him in the tournament dramatically. Bill has first Benny Williams left and never signed anywhere else and retired. Uh, Gaudy did the same thing. Do you think these players hoped eventually the Yankees would call them back to play? Well, I think players a lot of times don't know when they're done. They always think they have a little extra. Even when it's time to go, I think they both... First of all, Bernie had a great career. I mean, Bernie had the kind of career that, other than being a Hall of Famer, which Bernie is not, he's a cut below that, but talk about being a player who was always better in the big game. All he did was win his whole life. He played more winning games for 15 years than any player in the league. Think about that. Played more winning games than anybody and was one of the storied postseason players. He was a great clutch hitter. Go look at the all-time records. Now, he and Jeter played in a lot of playoff games, which is why they have so many. And I'm talking about looking at the World Series numbers that the old guys have, like a mantle, versus the postseason numbers, because they mingle them, which is a terrible idea. They should be separate. But these guys, yes, they had a lot of opportunities, but... Jeter and Bernie did the job all the time in the postseason. They showed more power in the postseason than they did in the regular season. They got big hits time after time after time, and that's why they won championships. And that's why they will always be remembered so favorably in Yankee history. Jeter, who was a legitimate Hall of Famer and a great player, Bernie, who was a cut below that, very gifted player, a great career. You play virtually your whole career in center field for the Yankees and win like that and hit like that. You know, he won a batting title. He was, you know, he, he has, you know, great memories in the postseason, walk-off home runs, uh, you know, so many big hits and RBIs. Uh, remarkable. He had a great career. And I thought Gaudi got the most out of his talent. He really did. I thought he did a very good job. And I think when your career is over, if you played your whole career in one uniform, especially when it's in pinstripes, it adds to your allure. It makes you, first of all, very few players get to play one, their whole career in one uniform. And if you have a career that's over, say, 12 years, once you get up to 15 or so years, you know, that's a special amount of time. First of all, playing that long in the major leagues, you have to be really good. Secondly, when you do that for one team, you leave a mark. 
Scotty will be fondly remembered. Bernie will be cherished forever. There's never a time Bernie won't stride out of that dugout at an old-timers game and get one of the loudest ovations. Because he earned that. And the fans remember. They remember all the big moments and all the big hits. And Bernie's got that to live. And now he's got a whole second life. He's got a very happy life, Bernie, because he found something that he's good at and something that keeps him busy and something he can make money at and everything in his music. And so he's had a special, special life. He really has. Some closing thoughts when we come back. You're listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. As we await the return of Judge to the Yankees, and I know that people count down the days because the team can't get out of its own way. Even last night, they finally got some hits, but still only scored three runs. And they got a big, long, 430-foot home run by McKinney, who I like. I like him because he is the kind of guy that I've always believed in as a Yankee, okay? Stick Michael, who brought a lot of talent to this team, always believed that the Yankees had to have guys who were a threat when they came to the plate that they were going to attack the right field porch. But Kenny does that. He's not an everyday player for the Yankees, but that guy has a good bat. You know, he's had 700 at-bats in his career. He's got 71 extra base hits. He's got 30 homers. He's got pop. He had a 430-foot home run last night. I like him as an extra player, as a bat off the bench, because he can break up a game. And the Yankees, to me, have gotten away from the left-handed power that was so much a part of who they are. And it was good to see Rizzo, who I like, who was in the worst slump. I mean, he was just god-awful in the last, you know, 50, 60 at-bats, uh, get three hits last night. They gave, that was a gift hit they gave him in the first inning because, let's be honest, he almost took the ball out of the park. The ball, though, should have been caught. It should have been an error. They called it a double. It's a gift double. But he did get two other hits. Went the other way with the ball, which was good. Got three hits, so maybe he's out of his funk and you're going to get some home runs to come in the days ahead. Stanton's still mired in that terrible, terrible slump. And I just don't understand why Donaldson sees the light of day. Now, I understand, you know, they have Peraza who's really hitting, and we know Peraza can field, but there's, you know... Unless you're going to take Torres and put him at third, they're not going to take Volpe off short. So unless you're going to take Peraza, bring him up and put him at second, what are you going to do with Torres at third? Right now, if you want to do that a little bit, go ahead, because LeMayu's not playing great either. But I don't know. Or you could bring Peraza up and play him at third, but he doesn't profile as anything but a shortstop. And he might be a better glove than... Volpe is. And Volpe hasn't hit, let's be honest, but they're going to, they're committed to him for the year. At least he has shown some pop at times. But if you notice, 
he's getting fewer walks, which means fewer steals, and he's just not making a lot of contact. He's striking out a lot. He's a kid. He seems mentally tough enough to go through this season where it doesn't bother him. His fielding's been consistent. Not great, but consistent. And it looks like they're committed to going through the whole season with him, which I'm okay with. Now, the problem is it's been harder to carry guys like that when you're struggling to score. Getting Bader back helps. But Donaldson's an automatic out. And when Rizzo and Stanton aren't hitting, there's just not enough there right now. So they're going to keep struggling to get runs until Stanton starts to hit and until Judge comes back. But it's at least good to see Rizzo go out there and get three hits because at least at least maybe he broke out of that slump, which was ugly. It really was. It started in the San Diego series. I said They said he hurt his neck, and boy, oh boy, did he look bad. The Travelers begins tomorrow, and it's good to see that Clark is going to honor his invitation and come. A lot of times when a guy wins a major, he ta- he's got a lot of commitments, a lot of interviews, a lot of different things he has to do. His world changes, and he backs out of the tournament the next week. He didn't back out of the Travelers because the Travelers mean something to him because they gave him an exemption when he was young in his career. So he's coming. So you in the metropolitan area up in, you know, even in New York, you can get up to the Travelers uh, up in Cromwell. It's a couple, you know, it's not that far away. Um, and see a lot of good golfers. They have a very good field this weekend. So it should be a good tournament. And Clark will play in it. I know there's a lot of controversy now that Clark may have moved the ball. You know what? I looked at the video. He really took a chance by putting a couple different wedges behind the ball in the rough where it could have easily moved. It might have oscillated. I looked at the video. I don't think there was any penalty there. The more amazing thing, which didn't get enough attention, was how did the USGA official decide that Rory's ball was embedded. Give me a break. That was a joke. That was an absolute joke. But they're going to take advantage of anything and get their hands on, and it was called an embedded ball. But that was a gift, an absolute gift. We'll see you later. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan, and you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli Podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.